Morning. Okay, we are still in the book of Matthew, and there's a very good chance we will be here when the Lord comes back, because we are going to cover every chapter, every verse, uh, but we're going to do it by breaking it down into different sub-series, and we are in a series right now called um, Upside Down. So uh, last week we kind of discussed, uh, and this will be brief, I promise, but last week we kind of discussed how the Jewish leaders had an upside-down view of Jesus. I mean, he was their Messiah, yet they saw him as an enemy. So the Jewish leaders came to him and asked him for a miraculous sign that he was from heaven. Now, if you've been following along or if you know anything about the book of Matthew, he had done so many miracles up to this point. He had accomplished so many things, raised the dead. I mean, he'd fed thousands with a few fish and a few loaves. And they'd either witnessed that or heard about it, but they just refused to believe. So they asked him for a sign, and he basically says, you're not going to get one. You've missed all the other ones. You're not going to get one except for the next one coming, which is the sign of Jonah. So like Jonah was in the belly of the whale or the belly of the sea monster, depending on your, on your translation, uh, for three days and then came out preaching, so Jesus would be crucified and put in a tomb for three days and, and, and rise again. But he knew they wouldn't believe. Even when that happened, he knew they wouldn't believe. He knew that they were going to let their religion and their skepticism blind them from seeing any sign that he was to perform. So that is as quick as I can recap one. But... Okay, today we're going to discuss the danger uh, of the false teaching that the Jewish leaders were spreading around. And we're also going to discuss, for our own application purposes, uh, how we have to be not only beware of sin, which is obvious, but we also have to beware of distraction, and we have to beware of false teaching. Okay, because listen, you never have to fear the truth. Just anything that hinders you from the truth. That's the only thing you have to fear. So... Let's start by saying there's a, there is an old saying. How many people have ever heard this, that one bad apple spoils a whole bunch? Anybody ever heard that? Okay, I'm going to tell you the weird science behind that, okay? Because there is some actual weird scientific principles behind rotten apples. And here's what it is. A, a rotting apple emits gases, okay? And those gases cause any other apples around it to also rot. So if you leave a rotten apple... In a barrel full of good apples, you're putting them all at risk, right? Now, leaven is something we're going to talk about today, and leaven is a substance, yeast is a type of leaven, uh, that causes kind of a similar process without the rotting, because when you add leaven to dough, it causes the dough to rise or, or, or to expand, right? And like the bad apple, leaven always affects anything it's added to, right? So sin and deception, just like leaven, just like a bad apple, can affect our lives in a negative way with just a little bit of it. Okay, so we're going to take a look at this today, and it's really interesting. And you're going to really relate to the disciples, I think, today. So let's take a look at this, Matthew 16, 5. It says, And the disciples came uh, to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out, and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to, to discuss this among themselves, saying, he said that because we did not bring any bread. <laughs> Distracted much? But in verses 5 through 7, we're going to see the disciples, you know, they're not as focused as they should be. We're, we're going to see that in these verses because after this big discussion he has with these Jewish leaders, after Jesus does the mic drop, remember last week, he just tells them how it is, boom, walks off. Doesn't take any time to debate with them. And he sees this teaching opportunity, and they get in the boat, and all of a sudden, you know, they start thinking about food. Now, I'm not going to make fun of them. Has anybody ever been there to where, 
I mean, the president could walk in the room and you're still thinking about Jim's Pizza. Anybody ever been there? Okay, all they were thinking about was food, right? So somehow they'd forgotten to bring the bread, and Jesus is seeing this opportunity to teach them after speaking with the Jewish leaders. And he says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. And, and the only thing they must have heard was the word leaven. Out of everything they said, because they're thinking leaven, yeast, bread. We forgot the bread. And he knows about it. He's God. We should have known he would know about it. So they think he's actually angry with them because they forgot to bring bread. But he didn't, he didn't care about that. He wanted to warn them about the teaching of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. That's what he was referring to. Because see, this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were very powerful and prominent and influential people. And we've talked about this many times. And there had to still be a part of the disciples that wanted to listen to him. Even though they knew they were wrong, you know, it's hard to get... I don't know if any of you have ever been raised in a church... Uh, maybe that didn't teach the truth, you know, and I don't want you to raise your hand <laughs> by any means if you were, or, or uh, was, were around somebody that taught you things that weren't true. And even though you grow up and learn better, those thoughts still rest in your head. You know what I mean? So there's a part of them that probably still wanted to believe, but, and, and he's saying, listen, you got to beware of everything they say. Everything they say. Because despite their position, all they teach is lies and tradition. They actually prefer to teach lies and tradition over the truth, right? So what Jesus was trying to get through to them is, listen, you can't afford to be thinking about bread right now. You need to be paying careful attention to what's being said and who's saying it because we are targets. We are targets. And as soon as we let our guard down, the enemy's going to move in and try to distract us, right? So you will hear the Bible-type people tell you that at this moment— the disciples were thinking in the flesh. Anybody ever hear that saying? Kind of a weird saying, because you're thinking, well, I mean, what else are they going to think it in? They're covered in it, right? But there's a reason for that. They were, they, were, they were thinking like the world, because there's two mentalities the Bible tells us that a believer can have. There's two mentalities, okay? Now, the first mentality is that of the world. And when you're thinking like the world, the Bible refers to that as being in the flesh, Okay? Basically, what being in the flesh means, or thinking in the flesh, or making a fleshly decision, you know, there's all kinds of sayings like that. Uh, what it means is that what you're doing is based on you and you alone. It's based on what's best for you, what pleases you. You're just thinking about pleasing yourself, right? At this moment, the disciples were thinking, man, we forgot the bread. How are we going to make sandwiches? You know what I mean? They forgot. They forgot. That's what they were thinking about. So that's the first kind of mindset. Now, the second kind of mindset is having a mindset of the Spirit, which means you are, you are God-focused. The spiritual mindset trusts God, and, and their goal is to please God. That's the two different mindsets, right? So it's really important that sometimes you evaluate which mindset you're in because there are several things that can, that can influence a believer's mentality. Okay, several things that can influence. And see if any of these sound familiar to you. Who you hang out with can affect your mentality, whether you're going to have the spiritual mind or you're going to have a mind of the flesh, who you hang out with. Now, I was that kid in school to where parents had the bad apple discussion every time they found out their kids were hanging out with me. You know what I mean? Oh, you're hanging out with that Mosley kid. Well, you know, one bad apple spoils, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I understand this, but as believers, it's true. Who you hang out with or who you allow the most access to your life, these people are going to be your greatest influences, Okay. 
So you have to make sure that those people don't become that one bad apple to you. Has anybody ever had that friend? Raise your hand if you've had the friend that every time you're around them, they seem to pull you down the wrong road. A lot of you guys have that? All the parents are looking at their kids going, really, which one? <laughs> we all have that person, that one that kind of draws us away, right? This is what he's talking about. Be careful who you allow in that sphere of influence. Because, see, the enemy's waiting for you to put your guard down. And he'll even use one of your friends or who you hang out with or, or anyone like that to try to pull your mind out of thinking spiritually so that he can get you in the flesh and attack you. That's one mindset, right? That's one thing that affects that mindset. And another thing is what you allow to occupy your mind. This is what you watch, okay? Now, I'm not telling you not to watch TV, and I'm not that guy. I'm just saying be careful what you watch and what you put into your kids' heads because it has a huge influence on them. Huge influence. I mean, in the 90s, kids were wearing pants that, did, that hung down to below their hips with a belt and walking like this because they saw all the cool guys on TV doing it. You know what I mean? They can be influenced by that. Be careful what you watch. Be careful about that. Right? Be careful what you listen to. Now, let it be stated, and I know all, all the religious people are going to hate me for this. I'm not against listening to secular music. I'm not against that. I love listening to 80s. Sue me. I don't know what to tell you. How many people here like 80s? Come on. See, God likes it, I think. Because, see, in the 80s, you couldn't put stuff on, on the radio that had bad stuff in it, right? Now they need to have, you know, like, warning signs before you turn on the radio. But I'm not saying you can't listen to secular music, but be careful what you do listen to. Be careful what you put into your mind. Because here's what, here's what happens. What you put in your mind is what you're going to get out. That's why I always tell people, listen, just coming to church on Sunday, if that's the only word, if that's the only worship, if that's the only time with God you have, if that's the only influence you're allowing him to have in your life, then you're going to have a really rough time staying spiritual. Because that means the other six days you're filling your head and your eyes with everything else. And you have to be careful about that. Be careful what occupies your mind. The Bible says to guard your heart and what? Guard your heart and mind. Have you, ever, have you ever allowed yourself to hear an old song and it brings back what was happening during that time? Anybody ever been there? Tell me what was happening. No, I'm just kidding. But I don't want to know. I'm just lying. Yes, I do. But um, no, that's how, that's how things that get in our mind can affect us. That's how it can affect us. So we've got to be very careful what we put in. The more good things we put in, the more good things are going to come out. We just have to be really, really careful because like the disciples, we can easily get in these mindsets, right? So it's obvious that at this point, the disciples weren't in a spiritual mindset. At this point, the disciples were just thinking about what they're going to do for food, what they're going to eat. That's all they were thinking about, okay? Now, I want to be careful making fun of them for that. Do you notice how distracted they are here? I mean, they didn't even pick up on what he was really talking about. They're really distracted, and we want to see that and go, gosh, how can you be with Jesus and mess up that bad in your thinking? Honestly, has anyone here ever been a little distracted to where you would miss anything God's telling you? Anybody ever been there? We've got to be careful before we make fun of them for allowing themselves to slip back into the flesh for a moment. Because there are times in every believer's life 
where their minds start to slip back into the flesh. Right? They start thinking more like the world. So let's have a moment of confession, because I just like doing this to you. I wish I could turn the camera around so that everybody could go, <gasps> Let's be honest. How many people have found themselves maybe days not having a spiritual bone in your body? Get your hands up, you lion. There are times we get so absorbed in so many things that we, for a few days, we think, gosh, I, I don't know that I've had a spiritual thought. Because we allow ourselves to get sucked back into the flesh, and there are several simple, easy-to-miss scenarios that can make this happen. And we've got to be careful of it. We've got to watch out for them. Let me give you some instances here, some, just some examples because the enemy's trying to target us, and here's some of the easiest, easiest ways we can start falling back into the flesh. When we get angry, it's easy to go back into the flesh, isn't it? How many people, when they get angry with somebody, go, I love you, brother. May we sup together? How many people do that? You know, let's have another moment of confession, just because I like it. How many people usually regret anything they do or say when they're angry? I wouldn't know. I'm very even-tempered. <laughs> Don't look at my hair. No, but this is one of those easy times we can get into the flesh. I used to, before I was a Christian, I used to crack up because some of the preachers that were always judging me for my beautiful, long-flowing red hair and my, you know, my Iron Maiden t-shirts and stuff, they, th they acted like they were just the most loving people in the world, that they were always loving Jesus. Well, for a summer when I was working at McDonald's, I found out that if you forget the pickles on one of those God-fearing man sandwiches, they will tear you up. Anger can take us into the flesh really easy. James 1.20 says, human anger what? Right, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You guys sounded like the teacher on Ferris Bueller there. We've got to have a little more excitement there. All right, human anger does not produce what? Right, so if you're making decisions when you're angry, if you're saying and doing things when you're angry and you think, was that the right thing? Let me answer that for you. Uh-uh. It was not the right thing. This is one of those moments when we can easily get back into the flesh. I mean, easily get back into the flesh. It's so easy to just say something or do something. You know, like those people who get mad in traffic. Crazy people. <laughs> you know? Or have you ever, like, when someone says something and you get angry, you just try to say the most hurtful thing you can. As soon as you say it, the Lord's going seriously. You know what I mean? This is one of those times we can slip back into the flesh, right? Is when we're, when we're angry. Another one's when we start to get greedy. Now, nobody ever wants to admit that they're being greedy. Okay, no one ever wants to admit that they're being greedy. But there are times that even believers, listen, get that myth out of your head that Christians are perfect. It isn't true. We make mistakes, all of us. Right? And there are times when Christians get a little bit greedy. And they start thinking about things more than God. And the next thing you know, all they think about is what they can possess and what they can have. The first thing that starts to go is they're not spending time with their family. They're not going to church anymore. They don't have time to read. They don't have time to spend alone with God in prayer. And, and it's all because greed is pulling them away. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves money, what? Will not be satisfied. Will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with his income. This too is vanity. Because, listen, the enemy is trying to find a way to pull you out of the spiritual mindset 
so he can make you vulnerable for attack. So he's like, you really need to save. You don't have enough in retirement. You need to work more hours. You need another timeshare. You know, it's just, and have you ever noticed that you're thinking, I can't wait till I get this. And when you get it, you're like, now what? It's just something else will come in to take that. You got to be careful. That's another thing that pulls us off. I mean, here's a big one. When you're jealous. When you're jealous, you want to have a moment of confession about this one? Let's be honest. There are times when we all get jealous and envious, isn't there? There are times when the enemy points out everything you do not have. It's usually when your mower won't start and your neighbor drives by on his brand new zero turn. You're going, I hate that guy. Mr. Shiny Mower. Why can't I have one of those? And just, I mean, it's just sometimes we, we envy what other people have. And you notice when you're starting to get envious because you start saying bad things about those people because they have things you don't have. You ever notice that? Oh, look, Mr. Rich Guy got a new car, and he's flaunting it around town like he's something. <laughs> you know what I mean? When we start getting envious, it actually shows that we aren't thankful for what we do have. James 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. And these are just a few of the things that can pull us out of that mindset of the spirit and into that mindset of the flesh. Right? So before we make fun of the disciples for being in the flesh in this moment, it's easy for us to be there. You can even get into the flesh with being churchy. Remember we talked about being churchy? You can actually start trying to be more self-righteous, more righteous than someone else. Try to look more righteous than someone else. You know, sometimes churchiness can make you out of the spirit. It really can. This is just, we got to make sure we understand that this is, we're just, just, like them, but there is a way to overcome that flesh mindset. There's a way to overcome blowing up when you get angry. There's a way to overcome jealousy and envy, and there's ways to overcome all these things, and it's really simple. I call it pause and pray. When you're in one of those situations where the enemy is whispering in your ear, before you make a decision, stop for a second and pray about it. God, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, that I keep thinking about what I don't have. God, give me the patience to not punch this guy. I mean, whatever it is, got to pray honestly. Just stop for a minute and pray because here's the problem is the reason the flesh, when we start getting pulled into the flesh, the reason that's so dangerous, the reason it's so dangerous to get pulled out of the spiritual mindset and into the flesh is that it's kind of snowballs. Then we start doing the first thing that comes to our mind. You know what I mean? The first thing, when someone says something, you wait till I see them. And you see them and you spout off, Right? Never do the first thing that comes to your mind. Everybody always says, go with your instincts. Terrible, terrible advice. What's your instinct when someone puts their finger in your face? Anybody else here want to break it? Like everybody watching online is going, what a violent pastor. I didn't say I was, judger. First reaction, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Is it bless you, brother? First reaction when your wife is nagging you. I'll let that go. All right? First reaction when you are tired of picking your husband's underwear up off the bathroom floor. I'll let that go. Our gut reaction is always wrong. And if we would pause and pray, we would find that we wouldn't stay in the flesh when we start in the flesh. Jeremiah even warns us not to trust our hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately what? Sick. Who can understand it? When you start going into the flesh, unless you lean on him and start giving it to him, pausing and praying, you'll find yourself 
snowballing and deeper and deeper into that mindset. Okay, let's jump back into the main text. Matthew 16, 8. But Jesus, aware of this, said, have you ever noticed that he's always reading their minds? Wouldn't that stink? You know, because you might as well, as soon as you have a thought, go, I'm just going to tell you I hated that because I know you know anyway. Right, so listen to this. It says, but Jesus, aware of this, said, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets full did you pick up or the seven loaves uh, of the 4,000 and how many large baskets full have you picked up? So Jesus knew their thoughts and he says, listen, I got to get these guys back into focus. They're just getting completely out of here. See, there's two things he said they needed to do here to get their mind back in the spirit. First of all, he's saying, remember, why are you worrying about bread? Why are you worrying about any provision for that matter? Have you forgotten the things you've seen me do? Have you forgotten the miracles you've seen me? You saw me feed thousands with a few loaves and a couple fish. Twice you saw that. And yet you're discussing with each other whether I'm mad that you didn't bring bread. Yeah, I can feed 5,000, but you're starving because you left the loaves back on the other side. You know what I mean? He's saying, have a little faith. Get focused here. Don't doubt. Be confident that when you're with me, you're cared for. When you're with me, I'm going to take care of you. See, I, sometimes I think we forget that, don't we? Have you ever noticed that there are times that you can worry yourself sick about something and realize two days later you haven't said a word to God about it? The one that created everything that exists. We didn't have time to take that problem to him. We just thought we'd worry about it and try to figure out a way. And I can just see Jesus going, seriously, I created the world in six days and you're worried because you're not sure how you're going to afford a new tire for your car. I mean, far be it me to be able to help you find a way to do that. We just don't, we don't think to take it to him. So many times we forget that he's promised us he'll provide for us if we trust him. That is wasted worry. So the first thing he tells them is, listen, I always provide. I always provide. So stop thinking about those things. Know that I have your back. One of my favorite verses in Romans is Romans 8, 31 and 32. And I read this whenever I'm starting to get doubts in my mind, whenever I'm struggling a little bit. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What should we say about such wonderful, wonderful things as these? If God is for us, what? Who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us what? Everything else. Whenever I find myself depending more on what I can do than what he can do, I read that. It reminds me that, listen, he's got it. He's going to take care of it. Then the next thing he tells him is, listen, you've got to pay attention to my words. You've got to listen to what I'm saying. Keep your mind focused on what I have to say and off the world and you're going to find that you're going to get a lot more from this relationship. See, here's the problem is people think God speaks in riddles. Has anyone ever felt like, I can't understand the Bible? Has anybody ever felt like that? Listen, that is the farthest thing from the truth. He doesn't speak in riddles. What he said was very plain. They knew what leaven was. They knew who the Sadducees and Pharisees were. They knew the Sadducees and Pharisees weren't selling bread. So when he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, what would make them think he was talking about bread other than the fact that their mind was not on the spiritual? You know, he's saying, pay attention to what I say. If you want to know what I want for you, you can. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, wisdom, ask our generous God 
and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. They had their mind on something else. He's saying, listen, be careful and pay attention to what I'm telling you, because in my words lie your escape from the attacks of the enemy. If you want to stay out of the world and keep your mind in the spirit, listen to me. Pay attention to me. Let's move on. Matthew 16, 11. Jesus says, how is it that you don't understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say <laughs> to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So what he was really trying to do was warn them of the Jewish leaders, to warn them about them. Because the false teaching that they were spreading was breeding a self-righteous people, an entitled people, people that were legalistic and judgmental, but weren't focused on God. He's saying, beware of that. It's easy to fall into that. Ignore that teaching. You know the truth. Focus on that. Beware of what they say. Even a little, believing a little bit of what they say can be destructive in your life. And that's when he compared it to leaven. He's saying, just like a little bit of leaven will make all the dough rise, a little bit of false teaching you believe can destroy just about everything you believe. Because it can mess with your foundation it's impossible to put a little leaven in bread and not in the whole loaf not rise it's impossible it affects everything it touches in first corinthians 5 6 it says do you not know that a little leaven what leavens the whole lump of dough so he's saying listen false teaching if you're not aware of it and you start listening to it a little bit of it can destroy you just a little bit of false teaching can destroy you because you have to make sure that what you believe about me is true and you can't trust those guys. Listen, there are still false teachers around. Did you know that? Watch some, I hate to say this, but watch some of the TV stuff and you'll see it. You know what I mean? I, I've seen some ridiculous stuff and people buy into it. I mean, people saying, listen, this is miracle spring water. <laughs> How many people have sat up late enough to see that commercial? <laughs> this is Miracle Spring Water, blessed by me. And it's been told that when people buy this, they got the money to pay their house off. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if it works that well, why don't you use it to get the money you need and you're asking us for? <laughs> Anybody ever think of that? Sprinkle that Miracle Spring Water on your bank account and leave us all alone. Right? Stuff like that. Prayer clause. I'm not kidding you. There were, there, and he, they sold millions. There were people on TV under the Christian banner saying, these claws have been prayed over by the elders, and if, and if you order one today, there's been people that put this on their chest and their lung cancer went away. And desperate people believe desperate things. Yeah, I mean, there are false teachers everywhere there are people still and this may sound menial but there are people out there saying that if you make a mistake god will dump you who wants to believe that about god the bible doesn't teach that there are false teachers all around us so we need to do one simple thing if we want to make sure that we don't get deceived and we don't get distracted by the enemy and by the false teachings he put out there and the false messages he puts out there and that is make sure you know the truth when you know the truth, lies just stand out. They just stand out. You can, you can immediately spot them. And listen, no matter who's teaching you, check them. How many times have you heard me say, check me? 
take what I say and take it to the Bible. And if I'm wrong, you come to me. I'm not him. I just work for him. You should always take what you hear, the instruction you hear, no matter where it is or who it is, and take it to the word of God. Don't ever let man be the final say. Make sure the word of God is the final say. See what the Bible says about it. Because if you just believe them blindly, you guys ever hear the pastor quoters? They cannot quote the Bible, they can tell you everything their pastor says. Dangerous. Dangerous. People get deceived like that. Know the truth so that when someone tells you opposite, you can immediately spot it. The other thing is, a little sin in our lives will grow. It's like planting a seed in your heart. If you allow a little bit of sin in your life, just a little bit and refuse to confess it, especially when we have a Savior who promises He'll forgive us. If you leave it unconfessed, it grows. And the next thing you know, you are so far from God, you can't even see your way back. And so many times we try to explain it away and excuse it. Now, how many people have ever tried to defend their sin because they don't want to let go of it? You know what I mean? I've done it before. Well, I know I shouldn't have said that about her, but she shouldn't have done it. Is that really an excuse? You know what I mean? Well, I might be, you know, I might be cheating on my taxes, but the government's rotten anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? We try to excuse away our sin. Listen, if you don't confess it, it's just like leaven and dough. It will expand. And it will take you over, and you'll find yourself so far from God, you can't even see your way back. Now, I know that we went a lot of places here. But the one thing you have to take from this message and the thing that Jesus was trying to tell his disciples is, listen, the enemy can't take the gift of eternal life from you. He can't do it. But what he can do is he can distract you to a point that you're no longer effective to reach anybody else. He can destroy your life and your testimony to where you even doubt the God you serve. He can make you a worthless servant and a worthless, worthless example for God simply by putting a little false doctrine in your way, telling you to accept a little bit of sin, and getting you distracted. Listen, if you want to make sure, if you want to make sure that this doesn't happen to you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay in his word. Stay in prayer. Because the second you let your guard down, he will attack. The moment that Jesus doesn't become priority, you become a priority to the enemy. That's why Jesus, I mean, people read this passage and they think, what's the big deal? So they thought it was bread. The big deal is they took their mind off of him to the point that he couldn't teach them. He had to correct them because their mind wasn't even thinking spiritual anymore. Make sure you keep your eyes on Christ. Don't allow what you know is wrong to influence your life. Get rid of that stuff because just a little bit, one bad apple can destroy the whole bunch. And a little bit of sin, a little bit of deception, a little bit of false teaching can destroy you. I'm going to go ahead and close there. I'm going to ask you would to please bow your heads. If this is your first time here, we always have a brief invitation, and here's why. We don't ask people to come up front and all that stuff. But when I first came to Christ, the first service I was in that I actually felt heavily convicted was because the pastor said, listen, I just want to pray for you. And if you can just... Lift your hand or make eye contact with me. I'll pray with you. Let him know you know you need him. 
And I did that, and it changed my life. I finally admitted I needed him. So I always give that opportunity to others. If you'd like me to pray for you, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're not sure where you stand with Christ, I'm not going to point you out, not going to chase you down after church or email you. I just li- I legitimately pray for you. If you just make eye contact with me and put your head right back down or slip your hand up, bless those people. Listen, listen, making that first step of saying, I know I need you is huge. Bless those people. And God will honor it. Bless those people. I'm just, but it takes us recognizing we need him. If you're listening online or watching online, God knows, and I'll be praying for you too. And as believers, listen, it's obvious that times are changing and not for the better. It's obvious that there's more distractions out there than there's ever been before. There's more false teaching out there than there's ever been before. I'm going to pray for us also because there's been kind of an exodus from people keeping their eyes on Christ. And we need to get back to making sure the center of our lives is Him. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for all that you do. I just thank you for the love and the mercy and the kindness and the grace you show us all. I say this every week, God, but I'm still amazed that you love me, that you are willing to save me. Only you and I know the things I've done. But by forgiving me, you show me how powerful your grace is and how powerful your love is. And I just pray if there's someone here who doesn't know you or listening or watching online, no doubt they've been confused, maybe by religion, maybe by friends, whatever it may be. They've been pulled away from understanding how amazing your grace and your love is. I just pray if, if they know they need you, that they would just trust that what Jesus did on that cross was enough to guarantee their eternal life. And if they can just trust that, your word says that they will have eternal life. And if they can make that decision to turn their lives over to you today, I just pray that they contact one of us so that we can walk with them in their journey. If they're listening or watching, I pray they contact someone in their area, a good church or a good Christian friend, because we want them to have someone to help them walk through the beginning of this journey and all throughout their lives. And God, for those of us who have already believed, it is so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to accept and to compromise our faith, especially in this day. God, let us keep our hearts and our minds focused on you. Let us make sure that our decisions are made only after talking to you. Let everything we believe be what we can prove for ourselves when we look in the scriptures. We just want to grow so close to you that every time the enemy tries to attack us with deception and with lies and with sin, we can immediately recognize it. Just let us be the beacons of light and hope that you put us here to be so that we might draw others to you. We just pray as we leave here that you would keep us safe. Let us live what we profess. And we just pray if you don't return to take us home before we get an opportunity to meet again, that we would come together and give you all the praise, honor, and glory you're so worthy of at least one more time. We just thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.